The world has an insatiable appetite for tuna. Prized for sashimi in Japan, it graces the tables of upscale restaurants and is one of the biggest sources of canned protein in supermarkets around the world. Most of the world's tuna is taken from the central west Pacific. A 2004 estimate saw a thousand boats taking 75% of the world's four million tons of tuna a year from the region, and it's rising. Laurencia Larisi is a researcher at Auckland University. Well, there are actually four types of tuna fishing that go on in the Pacific. There's longlining, there's purseining, there's pole and line, there's a little bit of trawling. Most of the fish, about 60% of it, is taken by these great vessels, the purseiners. And when I was back in PNG last year doing some research, I spoke to a number of fellows who were. Long lining, and they said that they're not catching the stock or the fish that they used to catch, and they're not sure, but they think probably the persainers have caught the fish that were traditionally caught by the long liners because there's a whole generation of fish of you know of a weight sort of the 30 kg plus tunas that they're just not catching anymore. Ms. Larisi, who was a commercial lawyer working in Papua New Guinea's tuna industry, says stocks need very close management. Skipjack, it appears, is sustainable at current fishing levels. Yellowfin and Big Eye have possibly reached the point where they're in danger of being overfished. So, unless there is sort of significant regeneration of stock, they probably couldn't sustain much higher fishing levels. The catch levels are about. What they can manage at the moment without seriously damaging or depleting the stock. In other words, there's not much more fishing you can do of yellowfin and big eye. Harder to gauge though is the value. Estimates of fish taken illegally range from 571 million to two billion dollars annually, with the total take estimated at many times more. Earlier this year, the United Nations warned a meeting of some 300 people representing 50 countries and many companies that tuna resource management was failing. The reason: overfishing hides behind scant data on catches, vessel numbers, and trading. New Zealand is working hard to provide the region with more information. It sends a handful of surveillance missions into the Pacific every year to hunt down boats that are fishing illegally. It's just after 7 a.m. at Fenua Pai Air Base in Auckland. The Royal New Zealand Air Force crew is making checks before the P3 Orion leaves on a surveillance mission known as a NORPAT. They will be looking for illegal fishing ships across vast tracts of the Northwest Pacific, plus executing undisclosed defence business. Mission equipment and supplies are loaded. It will be a week away, flying at least eight hours a day. Inside, where it's quieter, the co-pilot outlines the pre-flight routine.、Um, flight Lieutenant Rogers, I'm the、uh, co-pilot for the flight. Once the all the、uh, checks of all the components and things like that on the aircraft have been done, we have one final sort of walk around,、um, just to ensure that、uh, there's no hatches or anything left open. And、uh, we'll also close up the bomb bay doors underneath and、uh, set the flaps to the correct position. And that'll、uh, pretty much get us ready for the flight. Takeoff at 9 a.m. sees the aircraft en route to Vanuatu. On the way, it will scan huge areas of ocean. The task is difficult. 
Even if a ship has a legal fishing licence, it may breach restrictions because of an incorrect number painted on its side or is in the wrong place. Licences to catch tuna are issued by many Pacific nations and give the holder rights to fish within the country's exclusive economic zone. Many are held by distant fishing nations, Korea, Japan, the United States and members of the European Union. It is up to the Orion crew to identify each vessel it finds, check what it sees against a list of requirements, record it visually and then make a decision on the ship's status. All the countries covered on the mission provide lists of registered vessels, those with lapsed licences and possible infringers. Information is updated as it comes to hand. But even when illegal vessels are found, the task of pinning a charge on them is difficult, even though at stake is an annual theft of fish worth possibly $2 billion. To reach the patrol zone, the Orion climbs to 8,000 plus metres, known as transiting. At that height, the engine sound is at its most quiet, but everyone wears tiny orange earplugs. It's dark, cool and busy inside. The youngest aboard is ordnance man Leilani Kranz, responsible for sonar systems, photography and rations. At the moment we're transiting from New Zealand to the first place where we will uh, descend and begin our task of looking for boats and basically keeping an eye out on the Pacific. Uh, what I just did is I got some sonar boys out of our storage rack, uh, programmed them to a certain depth setting and a channel which denotes what frequency it will uh, transmit back to the aircraft on. I loaded it into the aircraft ready for deployment should we need it. What does that mean? Okay, We have a, what's called a sonar package in the centre of the aircraft and this can lower and raise and there's some doors on the outside which open and close. So should uh, we need to deploy one of these sonar boys, what will happen is we will flick sonar, the doors will open and the sonar package will lower. Then uh, a float will deploy out of the sonar boy, come up to the surface and it will be ready to transmit. What we listen to with those sonar boys is uh, basically any underwater sound. This can be submarines, should we need to track them, uh, that's one of the methods we use to track a submarine. Um, we also listen to things like whales, should dock need the data, and just interest things like that as well. Ordnance man Kranz has been on several missions. She calls them a practical way New Zealand can help Pacific nations, some which struggle even with running a patrol boat. The Foreign Minister, Winston Peters, says New Zealand's role is significant and it's not just about protecting fish stocks. I think it's a major investment on our part that we have got to make uh, in our own interest. After all, it is our home or our neighbourhood we're talking about. And if we want there to be a more secure environment with better... Uh, economics for the for the government, then and with the capacity to help us in surveillance, then we're going to, going to have to make sure that some of their resources work better for them, and so security is a big issue. Uh, I mean, without being too diplomatic, what we're confronting here is significant theft of another people's resource, and a significant theft by a certain uh, hemisphere of a, a resource belonging to another hemisphere. Let's be honest about this. And New Zealand's uh, interest is not based on any um, self-interest. It's based on, I think, a wise foreign policy that says this is our neighbourhood and the more we can make their um, existence uh, and their self-government sustainable and independent of us because it is soundly run and soundly managed in all respects, then the better the region will be.
because there are a whole lot of other things that uh, fall by the wayside when nations like that begin to fail, and uh, one of them is uh, a serious element of security. Winston Peters says New Zealand is not alone in its efforts. We have also uh, arrangements with uh, France and Australia, uh, agreement between the three of us, to coordinate our surveillance. And then we've got, of course got these new naval ships coming uh, on stream in the next year. We're able to make them part of our surveillance capacity. Now, those are, I've set out three things, but then again, you've got to work with the island nations to ensure that we increase their rules-based operations, a sound rules-based operations with respect to fisheries management, increase their capacity to help us with surveillance and uh, monitoring. And that is not easy because in some countries you've got a very small group who are able to do that. But the, I think the secret is to uh, expand our cooperation, our coordination, so that we get more bangs for our buck, so do they, and we get more efficiency in surveillance. Researcher Laurentia Laracy agrees with Mr Peters and says work must start on the licence structures, plus the fees paid to countries by companies wanting to fish in their exclusive economic zones. The value of licences and how they're issued is a huge issue in itself because that again comes back to governments and politics because 60 million or 10 million or even 10,000 is not money necessarily to be scoffed at, it's money in hand and the point about tuna fishing in the Pacific is there is not the infrastructure there at the moment to process this fish so it's going to go offshore so the value of the licence is never going to be anywhere near the value of the stock because the downstream processing, the value added, comes offshore. Ms Laracy says from her experience, everyone knows this, a point made very clear in Vanuatu by the maritime commander, Vake Rako, who compared the price of licences to the price of fish. Current market, uh, say, $80 uh, per kilo, that's a lot of money for, I mean, a lot of money, but uh, we are not... Catching and uh, exporting. We are depending on the registered uh, 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 foreign fishing vessel, and I think that's uh, uh, to me it's not enough. It's too small amount. Vake Rakao says they'd love more patrols when the tuna is running because his country just does not have the resources to do it themselves. The support New Zealand provides earns the crew a musical tribute at their Port Vila Hotel when they show up for dinner. The arrival of the Orion has got around. The New Zealanders' efforts recognised as critical in helping small countries gain some control over fishing. There is big economic potential in fishing if the nations are able to harness and control the resource and then process it onshore. Attempts to do that have been tried. But in Papua New Guinea, for example, Many local fishing ventures have failed, and in Vanuatu there is not enough money to back an industry yet. Auckland researcher Laurentia Laracy says although there is significant work going on trying to develop local fishing industries, in many cases governments need to get on board. The future of domestic canning and, for example, PNG is uncertain without significant government intervention. And... Uh, in the long line industry, for example, they're calling out for subsidies, fuel subsidies. The cost of getting a tuna from the Bismarck Sea to the sashimi markets in Japan is, is huge. The fuel costs alone. 
And these little companies, the long linings, they're not surviving in PNG. They can't compete um, with international fuel costs. They can't compete with you know, perhaps in the end of demand for canned tuna. Ms Laracy says the big foreign fishing companies have issues too. The fish they catch provides jobs in their home ports. She says those companies will also have to deal with changes, like moves to limit the time spent fishing and reduce the boat count, which in turn means pressure on surveillance patrols who will police it. On the Orion, squadron leader Glenn Galthorpe details the systems used to monitor traffic. We're standing here at the Orion tack rail or tactical rail and uh, we're standing behind the radar operator. The primary search tool when we're looking for fishing boats and the like is the Orion radar, uh, which can look out to around 150 nautical miles or 250 kilometres from the aircraft. Uh, basically the radar operator uh, scans the ocean Head, and, head into the side of the aircraft looking for uh, anything on top of the water. So anything from a fishing buoy, uh, floating shipping container through to fishing boats and uh, container ships and the like. So uh, once the radar operator has located a vessel, um, he'll mark it in the computer system on board the aircraft and then the, uh, the tactical coordinator will decide whether we go and have a look at the vessel based on our track and where we're tasked to look. The crew swing into action when a ship is spotted. Um, as we speak, we're now about uh, eight miles from the vessel. The navigator is just working out exactly whose uh, waters they're in, whether it's New Zealand waters, Tongan, uh, Vanuatu, etc., and uh, gathering the relevant licence list to make sure that we can uh, check off the vessel as we fly past. It is pretty important to uh, ascertain the status of the vessel before we get there because... If you were doing uh, something untoward, fishing illegally, as soon as you saw an Air Force Orion fly past, you're going to pull your nets in or cut them or drop them and, uh, and hightail it out of there. So we try to ascertain where the vessel is, whose waters, what type of vessel it is, and then uh, as we fly past and see who it is, work out whether they're actually legally or illegally fishing. Uh, the tactical coordinator, uh, he's a senior navigator, and what he does is he directs exactly what the crew does in any given instance. So the sensor operators are gathering the information, passing it to him, and he is the, uh, the decision maker on the aircraft as to whether we go back and take photos, um, whether we continue on to our next vessel, or in fact whether we even bother going to look at the vessel at all, uh, given that it might be a, a ship, um, not a fishing vessel, but a container ship. As, as we move down the tack rail, uh, what we've got here is the uh, electro-optics station and effectively that's just an infrared and uh, TV camera under the nose of the aircraft. The operators will uh, finally tune the cameras to look at the vessel from as far away as we can. Um, they're looking for things such as the four-digit call sign which all vessels must show. Once they've got that call sign, they just quickly check through a spreadsheet to ascertain uh, what sort of fishing vessel it actually is and whether it is licensed. Some of the other things we're looking for, uh, it may be a tuna boat from, uh, from a distance, but when you get up closely you might find that it's actually doing some other kind of fishing which it isn't licensed for. And how often during the day does this happen? Some days we'll uh, look at 60 to 100 fishing boats, uh, and other days in a quiet area of the ocean uh, there could only be perhaps 5 or 10. 
Squadron leader Galthorpe says the licensing system is effective for identifying ships, but more important is their location and whether or not the ship is allowed to be there. He says every day of the NORPAT consists of precisely that kind of action, and when the area is busy, the plane will pass every ship to ensure they are complying. Flight Sergeant Gavin Hall spends most of his day at the tactical rail. It's quite intensive, so you, you don't really want to sit on the radar for the whole day. That uh, gets quite tiring. So after about uh, an hour or so, that's when we like to rotate the operators in and out of the seat. Flight Sergeant Hall says part of the allure is the hunt, and the crew gets very involved in their work. But he says to bring infringers to justice, the patrol's information must be pristine if it's to be useful for nations with little resource. On this mission, the Orion stops in the Republic of the Marshall Islands. The highest point in the capital Majuro, with a population of 20,000 plus, is 10 metres above sea level. At places the island is less than 50 metres wide. Patrols of the tuna-rich 12,000 square kilometre economic zone are done in a single boat under the country's police chief of surveillance, Major Thomas Heine. He shows me around the boat. It's called a Pacific class patrol boat, uh, built in Australia. She was commissioned in 1991. So she's uh, a little over 15 years now. This is where we're in the bridge where we do all of our navigation and our operations. What's the equipment that you've got in here that's used to detect or work with people fishing? There's our radar, there's our um, weather, our GPS plotter, chart table, our sat phone where we can do international calls anywhere in the world. Well, if we were to imagine a scenario, the Orion is overhead and it spots a boat, you happen to be out there and they give you the coordinates. What sort of time could it take you to get there? Well, um, it really depends on the distance. Um, you know, uh, as you notice, um, these boats were designed for high speed, and we can outrun basically you know any boat that are out there. And generally, most fishing boats operate about eight, nine knots. Uh, they go max maybe 10, 11 knots. Uh, we can do 15 all the way up to 22 knots. So, given the distance where the um, the Orion sights his boat, uh, will generally uh, alter course and you know make headways and. If it's uh, not too far, then uh, we should be able to get there in time. But, uh, again, it all depends on how far the sighting is. And is this boat out every day? The routine is go out on patrol two weeks, come out for maintenance one week. So on average, uh, you know, we, we're probably out there about 60 to 70 days a year. Major Heine says they would do more if they had more resources. That's why working with New Zealand is so important. Working closely in the marshals with Major Heine is the Australian Navy. Its team is headed by Chief Petty Officer Mark Carey. He says the work can be frustrating at times even when they nab an illegal fisher. There's not a lot of successful prosecutions in court. That's because everyone that they prosecute, all these countries, Japanese, Taiwanese, all the different, you know, the Korean boats, Wherever they're from, they want to settle out of court straight away and they pay the maximum fines. Because of that, we don't see so much in paperwork, so it doesn't appear that very much is going on, but they do successfully prosecute boats. They are out there trying their hardest and doing a good job, but 
at the moment we're trying to see the infringements and the fines increase to a level where they are a deterrent. At the moment I don't believe that they are. Officer Kerry says the key is information because they have to distinguish illegal from legal fishing. Major Heine details the activity of the legal fishers who work from the adjacent wharf and what can be done if they breach regulations. They're based here. Uh, this company here is called MIFE, it's the Marshall Islands uh, Fishing Venture. They're all domestically based uh, foreign fishing vessels, uh, mainly from uh, Taiwan and uh, China. And um, they only uh, fish in RMI. Uh, they don't stay out more than 10 days uh, at the most, so they're out 10 days back in offload their cats, get more ice on their back end. And do you have a good relationship with them? As you can see, a lot of the numbers are uh, you know, well uh, painted and easily read because as part of the condition, if they don't have their call signs painted visibly clear on their, on their hulls or stuff like that, then we uh, hold them in port and don't allow them to go out fishing. If one of these boats was spotted by the surveillance team, and something was wrong but they came in here, what penalties could you impose on them? Depending on what sort of infringements they committed, uh, it'll really uh, depend and then, you know, it, it could range anywhere from a simple 20,000 to a, a mere 250,000 you know, for breach of their fishing agreement. And how many boats are there? A little over 27 boats that are um, based here and you know there, there there's some more that are still out there. Major Heine says the volume of fish processed at the Chinese-run factory is astounding and he wants better management systems. I've gained access to the factory which is inside a high security fence by slipping in through the workers gate and past containers of processed fish ready for a cargo plane. The scale is a surprise Big Eye and Yellowfin Tuna is in giant piles. Before I move further into the processing area, the general manager tells me to leave as I have no permission to be there. He says they have all the correct licences. What is clear, though, is the volume of fish being taken. Container loads of fish are flown from Majuro to Hong Kong several times a week. Watching with concern is Eugene Muller. He is a Marshall Islander who wants to see a local fishing industry set up and the manager of the Coos Fishing Company, a licensed joint venture with Taiwan. The company has one boat at the moment, employs local people and is aiming higher. It's the big eye and yellowfin that are under threat. The skipjack stock is still very healthy. Uh, the prisoners target the skipjack, but unfortunately there's also, there's also big eye and, and yellowfin in the schools of skipjack that the prisoners target and the longliners are the ones that target the big eye and yellowfin. Mr Muller says they have asked New Zealand for much more help. The Foreign Minister Winston Peters says he's aware of the request. We're treating it sympathetically. I can't make a promise that we'll send more uh, more Orion flights but I can say that in the coming budget we are seeking to beef up our capacity in a whole lot of areas and uh, this is one of them. I mean, we put a lot of money towards this surveillance resource for the Pacific, but uh, hopefully we can do better in the, in the future. New Zealand isn't the only country involved. The Taiwanese ambassador to the Marshalls, Lien Jen Chen, wants to help out. Maybe we can offer some uh, small fishing boat 
and then help them to explore the possibility of、uh, coastal fisheries. That means the the boat will go out in the morning and come back in the evening. And I think this is easier, and the cost will not be so high. And、um, and that way they could build a fishery industry here rather than an industry based on revenue from licenses. Yeah, that's what I do because this this will be more sus- sustainable than just selling a. Fishing license, and、uh, they can have their own fishery,、uh, fishery industry. And they started from this small agriculture,、uh, like、uh, fish farming, and with this uh, coastal uh, fishery, they can accumulate the experience and the technology, and as well as、uh, capital. So in the future, maybe they, one day they will be able to have、uh, their own deep sea、uh, fishery industry. Mr. Chen says Taiwan is also backing a loining plant to process tuna, which might employ 600. But Laurencia Larisi advises caution. Aid in fishing is a business. So, for example, if someone's going to back a loining plant,、um, it's quite likely that they're going to want some financial return for that loining plant. They're not going to go in there, build a loining plant, equip it. Give it boats and just hand it over to the people and say, you know, go for it. You catch your fish, and then you process it, and then you sell it to us, and we're going to buy it. There will be benefits to the marshals, but if that's what the Taiwanese are thinking of doing, I would also suspect that it means that they see some return for them in it. Ms. Larisi says while New Zealand can't build a plant, it has other roles. In New Zealand's Big role, I think, probably is to help、um, through forums such as the Forum Fisheries Agency to assist these countries where the big fishing ground, the tuna fishing grounds, where they migrate through, to make sure that they can manage their own fisheries, that they, the negotiations in which that they enter into with distant water fishing nations,、um, you know, are wise. Agreements. Ms. Larisi says the work of the Orion is invaluable and must dovetail with all these agreements. Back in Auckland, the captain Nathan McMaster says the surveillance missions marry practical surveillance of the waters with New Zealand's need to be seen working directly with its neighbours. The challenge is twofold. It's, it's making sure we're doing what we want to get done and we're not getting bogged down by small details. Particularly when you're busy, you you can forget the big picture. And、uh, one of those things is keeping the aircraft obviously above the water and making sure we we are flying the aircraft. Secondly, it's making sure we we are achieving the aim. And if we're not, how can we do that better? So it, it's taking a step back and and looking at the overall picture and making sure we're doing what we want to be doing. Captain McMaster plays down the Orion's role, saying the crew's job is to execute any task given them. By the New Zealand government to enhance the country's image and help small Pacific countries. That statement belies the volume of activity and meticulous attention to detail over every single ship sighted, and also the capability of the Orion to execute other undisclosed surveillance tasks. After a week over the Pacific, it is also clear that New Zealand's role as a de facto tuna fish policeman would need to increase if all those infringing are to be caught and potential poachers scared off.